Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est bon, You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this Friday, June 30th, the Sick Podcast, weeknights, 10 p.m., live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, named by the Financial Times as one of America's fastest-growing companies in 2023, recognized by the Globe and Mail as a top-growing Canadian company two years in a row. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies, providing end-to-end logistics services. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Also, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards La Bit at TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with some premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit at TB, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground. Over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. We have a lot lined up tonight on the Sick Podcast because, of course, the selection of David Reinbacker still has a lot of people talking. The Montreal Canadiens draft in general has a lot of people talking. I'm going to get Stu Cowan's opinions on this. He's going to join me in about a minute or so. And also... Very much looking forward to talking to Thibaut Chatel, who works analytics for NL Ice Data, a Swiss hockey stats website. And of course, we all know that David Reinbacker played in Swiss League. So we'll talk to him about that and what he thinks. Also, a tweet that caught my attention from a player who played versus Reinbacker to get his opinion. Uh, but with development camp around the corner, July 1st to July 4th, also opening of unrestricted free agency on July 1st, he covers the Habs 365 days a year from the Montreal Gazette newspaper and hockeyinsideout.com. Stu Cowan, how are you? Hey, Tony, I'm doing okay. You're right. It is 365 days a year, it seems, and seven days a week, 24 hours a day with the Habs in the city. People can't get enough about this team. It's incredible to think that there's going to be a development camp July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Brassard, and we're going to be there, and we're going to be covering it. I'm not going to go all four days, Stu, but I'm going to show my face there probably two days out of four. I don't know what your plan is. Yeah, well, they're only on – it starts Saturday, but it's just off-ice testing or weigh-ins or whatnot. Uh, they're on the ice Sunday Sunday and Monday, starting at 9.15 with the goalies, then the players at 11.15, and then Tuesday there's a scrimmage at 11. So they're on the ice Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and it is open to the public for anybody who wants to go to Brossard and check it out. Yeah, the plan for me is uh, Monday and Tuesday, 
and uh, I'll take this weekend off. But anyway, uh, after uh, working quite a bit during this NHL draft, we podcasted for three hours and 45 minutes, give or take, on Wednesday night and about an hour and a half last night. So uh, tonight, I think we're going to be under an hour, but it's okay. We'll see how it goes. There's uh, no shortage of things to talk about. Um, Joel Teasdale and Dennis Gurianov have not received qualifying offers. They're going to be able to test test unrestricted free agency, as is Jonathan Drouin. Uh, no surprise, right? No, I mean, Drouin, I wish Jonathan all the best moving forward. I think the best thing for him and for the Canadians is to move on and have a fresh start. I imagine there'll be another NHL team who will be given a chance. I mean, he, I think he was second or third in the Canadians in assists last season, despite missing so many games. Uh, he needs another chance. And Gurianov wasn't, you know, he had three goals, uh, sorry, five goals in 23 games with the Canadians. And that whole, you know, I don't know if it factored into it at all, but that whole Pride Night thing at the Bell Center when he was the only guy who wouldn't wear the sweater, I'm sure Jeff Molson would have preferred not to have that happen. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, not shocking that the, the Canadians have decided to not offer. It doesn't mean they, they can still sign if they wanted to. But I think Gurianov's days in Montreal are probably over. And the same with yeah. Jonathan Drouin. Even before that, like, you could tell, like, he was in the doghouse type of thing. And it's just uh, they didn't like his play away from the puck. And they didn't like his consistency or lack thereof. Mind you, he wasn't the only one in that category. I mean, a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans on social media over the past couple of days now getting wind that, you know, there's a couple of contracts that have been bought out by some pretty big-name players in the National Hockey League or guys that used to have a name. And uh, Matt Duchesne is the latest one, by the way. And people are saying, hey, why don't the Canadians buy out contracts? Why don't they buy out Hoffman? Why don't they buy out Armia? Why don't they buy out Brendan Gallagher as much as they love him? Well, they're not They're not in a rush, really. The Canadians don't have to. Like, they're, not, they're still part of this rebuild, and we carry that dead cap money forward. I was looking at Cap Friendly earlier today and realized that, you know, Carl Alzer still has one more year left on his buyout. Um, you know, buyouts hurt you moving forward. So Canadians, they're, they're, they'd rather move these guys or trade these guys, even if they don't get much in return, uh, whether it's before the season starts or at the trade deadline. So the, the thing, one thing I really admired about uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon since they took over is they don't rush, they don't panic, they don't, they, they have a long-term plan and they're sticking to their long-term plan. They think long-term, it makes more sense not to buy guys out than to buy them. I don't know, I have to agree with that. Stu, I want to get back to the draft if I can. Look, I, I, I said this, that, I've always been a guy who likes offense, right? I mean, everything I do is on the attack. I mean, that's just the way I am. I'm more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talk about the Canadians, and uh, my first idol, Montreal Canadiens idol, was was Lafleur, uh, offensive star, that is. And then, and you know, I, I didn't even watch his best years. And then in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, it was Stefan Richet. And then in the 2000s, the, out of all the forwards they had, I mean, the guy who, um, you know, I, I really liked more than the others was Kovalev. So on that note, I'm always looking to add offensive players. But I see no shame in your first pick being the guy that is identified by most as the best defenseman in the draft. I don't have a problem with that. It's a question of mentality, but I get it. Yeah, I mean, I obviously David Reinbacker is a heck of a hockey player. He wouldn't have been picked fifth overall. He wouldn't have been rated the top defenseman in the draft. As I wrote in my column, it's just sort of you know, this, you know, what you were saying, you know, you like offense, you like Kovalev and these guys and Lafleur. You're like the typical Montrealer. This city likes to be entertained. This city likes excitement. And the Canadians haven't been exciting for so long. You know, I was wrote in the column yesterday, you know, they haven't had a player average a point a game since Kovalev in 2007 08. 
They haven't had a 40 goal scorer since Vinny Damfus in 93-94. They haven't had a 50 goal scorer since Richet in 89-90. They haven't had a top 10 guy in scoring since Mattson Aslan in 1986, which they happened to win the cup that year also. And, you know, Nick Suzuki led the Canes in scoring last season. He ranked 73rd in the NHL. So as I wrote my column, it was just, I, I understand David Reinbacker and, you know, Kent Hughes five years from now might be laughing at us who are wondering why he would have taken him instead of a forward. I understand the hesitation maybe with Mitchkoff and some of the red flags that were up there. I didn't really buy Hughes as seeing his main red flag that they've only watched them on video. They haven't watched them live. Okay. I mean, there's other guys that maybe they haven't watched live that much either. For me personally, if, if I was Kent Hughes and I had the number five pick, I would have taken Ryan Leonard. I think there's there's less red flags there out of the U.S. National Development Team program like Cole Caulfield. Guy scored 51 goals in 57 games last year. Six foot, 192 pounds, a right winger. Maybe you could play with Suzuki and Caulfield as line mates. I I just I on a team that has struggled. I mean, the biggest problem with the Canadians for so long is they can't score five on five and they can't score on the power play. So for me. If it was me, I would have been looking to get an offensive player, somebody who can put the puck in the net besides just Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki to a lesser extent. So to me, the more guys you have who can – you you can't teach guys how to score goals. Goal goal scorers are basically born goal scorers or they're goal scorers from a very young age. And when you have a chance to get one or two between Mitchcroft and Leonard and you pass on both to take a defenseman, and as I said, Ryan Backer is obviously a great player – I wouldn't have, I would have gone for the offense like you were saying and especially in this market people want to be entertained when they go to the bell center. Yeah. They want to see guys score goals and I think that's why so many fans on social media and that have been upset because they just they're they want to be entertained when they go to the bell center and Cole Caulfield has given them a taste of that a big taste yeah. of that and also made them realize maybe how long it's been since we've had that in Montreal so to have another guy with the goal scoring abilities close to or up there with Cole Caulfield I think would have been exciting for this team the only thing I think about in terms of Leonard, and, and obviously he's, he's a real good hockey player, and uh, one-third of that line with Will Smith and with Perot, is this kid hails from Northampton, Massachusetts, right? And he's an 05 birth date. I mean, Kent Hughes, the 04 and 05 birth dates from the state of Massachusetts, he knows them like the back of his hand. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'll have confidence in Kent there. The whole thing with Michkov, they heard question, you know, they heard things about attitude issues. I understand all of that. There's a worry that he's under contract for three years. I understand that. There's a worry that he might extend his contract, and I understand all of that. The only thing that left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth is the whole, you know, if Reinbacker shot left, it may have yeah. changed our opinion on this. And you just I, took the I, words out of my mouth, Tony. I, 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 I think I think that's something that they that that slipped out of their mouth that they probably shouldn't have said because they've always talked to us about best player available. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that Reinbacker's a, a good player, but it just it leads you to believe hearing that that he's a good player who's a safe pick, who plays the right position, and because the Canadians don't have many right-handed defensemen, and yes, they have Mayu, and yes, they have Barron and Kovacevic, but because he fills a need and he's a safe pick, that's the reason why they went with him. I, I got that feeling. Did you not get that feeling? I, I did, and I wasn't in Nashville, but kudos to Arpen Basso of The Athletic who called, questioned Hughes on that exact topic uh, at his news conference. And that's another thing. So if Reinbacker had shot left, then you would have taken Mitch Koff or Leonard? Like, that was a deciding factor? 
I mean, I understand there's a a, a real <coughs> excuse me um, perk having a right hand defenseman, and they're hard to find. That big, tall, lanky right hand defenseman are hard to find. The Canes are short on that side, but if that was a determining factor between getting a defenseman and getting a guy who can score goals, I had the same reaction as you, Tony. I was like, wow, that seems you know, drafting by position, we saw that in the past, you know, with Mike McCarron, the only reason they drafted him is because they wanted a big centerman and they picked him. Um, it, it's, to me, that was, when, when Hugh said that, I was like, I hope that wasn't the last thing they said when they were in that meeting. Okay, do we take Ryan Backer or do you take Mitch Croft or Leonard? And somebody said, well, Ryan Backer shoots right. And they said, okay, well, we're going to take Ryan Backer. Yeah. The other thing that's a little bit, uh, it could be very encouraging. At the same time, it could be a little bit, of a red flag is when they say there was um, no argument whatsoever. All of our scouts were all in accordance. We were all going with Reinbacker. Now it could very well mean that Reinbacker is amazing and he's the real deal. And we all hope he is. And I know Thibaut Chattel is going to have some really good things to say about him. And he seems like a fine young man and I'm looking forward to seeing him, but this can go two ways. When everyone's in accordance, it's either because the player's a phenom Mm -hmm. or buddies hire buddies and nobody wants to not support their buddy or confront their buddy because they want to stay in that position for a very long time. And we've seen that. That that seemed to be the case with Bergeron. And you hope it's not the case with Hughes. And and maybe maybe they did debate and guys disagreed. And at the end, they all said, okay, we're going to take that pick, which is... You know what would happen that but if they if every and as you said this if everybody agrees we're taking Connor Bedard number one well okay obviously but in this situation if every single scout in the room agreed you wonder if if they are afraid to to speak out differently than what the boss wants type of thing but um, still you know why I'm smiling yeah you remember when I asked Bergeron about that in a press conference? I said, what's the story here? Don't you guys ever debate and he's like oh Tony we throw FUs all over the place so sometimes yeah. we remember that yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. So I'm thinking maybe Marty point just at the end, they all agreed, okay, we'll take the guy and even the guys who maybe argued. I, I'm I'm sure there must have been guys in the room who spoke up about other guys that they wanted to take. And then at the end of the day, you know, your boss is your boss. Then at the end of the day, if the boss says, this is what we're going to take, you go, okay, well, I made my point. You hope that's what happened. Yeah. And that probably is what happened. But you're right. I mean, I can see people when your scout says everybody in the room agreed on this pick. That's not necessarily a good thing in any business. You don't want to have in any corporate office, you don't want to have everybody just being yes man and agreeing with everything that the boss wants to do or says. This is what I find very unfortunate now, Stu. And I know you and I have spoken openly about this. All right. You've never pretended to be a guy who knows the prospects like the back of his hand. And no, I've never no. and I've never pretended to be a guy who knows the prospects like the back of his hand. Okay. And I've never pretended what? to be somebody who more knows more about hockey than Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and Marty St. Louis and all those guys either. That's it's, it's our well, well, sometimes I do, so I won't say anything. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you know, we cover the Montreal Canadiens 365 days a year. Uh, we podcast, we write, we report, we do television, we do radio, we do this, we do that. We do a lot of things. We don't have time to go to Drummondville, Victoriaville, London, Ontario, this, that, whatever to scout. What we do do is we watch some pretty big tournaments and we, you know, we, we, we watch the world juniors. 
we watch highlights on YouTube. We talk to a lot of scouts. We love talk to a lot of scouts with mm-hmm. independent agencies. We take a look at some of these great people that are doing great work in stats and analytics and stuff like that. We talk to we talk to uh, we talk to some agents. But the agents, of course, they can be pretty biased if they're talking about their player. We try and gather as much information mm-hmm. as we can, and then we try and formulate an opinion. And we formulate our opinion, exactly. Correct, okay. What's very unfortunate all of this is that, for the most part, social media has not seen Michkov play. No. And social no. media has not seen Reinbacker play. No. And yet, Reinbacker, to hear that he's received hate messages... Oh or death threats, or this, or that, because he was chosen ahead of Michkov. First of all, this is not the kid's fault. Second of all, why ruin this moment for him? Third of all, folks, it's just a game. Please stop. This is not life or death. And fourth of all, it doesn't matter where you're drafted. It matters how you end up playing. Like Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's Shane Wright's dad told him that at the draft last year when they had him mic'd up after he went fourth instead of first. Doesn't matter where you go, it's what you do once you get there. And I feel so bad for David Reinbacker. I mean, what he's coming into here and that. But but it's I did an interview earlier today with uh, Newfoundland, CBC Newfoundland, and they were asking me about Alex Newhook. And they asked me, you know, what's the best advice you can give Alex Newhook coming into Montreal? And I said, stay off social media. Um, I had a long talk with Mike Matheson about that last season. Mike Matheson never looks on Facebook or social media or Twitter. He said sometimes he hears stuff from friends or parents or family or whatever. But he just avoids it because I don't need that. I don't need that distraction. And the other thing the players tell you almost to a man is that when they meet fans in the streets or in restaurants or whatever, it's always positive. You know, fans come up, they want a picture, they want an autograph. It's not like fans coming up and saying, you suck, we shouldn't have drafted you. It's, they don't it's do that. They don't do that. And it's, it's people hiding behind... You know, Twitter brings out the worst in people, and it allows the worst people to be really bad. And that's for and by, by the way, that's for everyone, Stu. I'm sure people don't come up to you and tell you how terrible you are. And I know people don't come up to me and tell me how terrible yeah. I am. But, but yeah, on Twitter, we, exactly. I mean, on Twitter, I get abused all the time, same as you do all the time. Last <laughs> night, last night on yeah. YouTube, one of the comments was that Tony Marinaro is like the worst interviewer ever. Yeah, uh, you know, like I've been doing this for 20 years. I got myself a pretty big following, uh, pretty big indeed that has followed me wherever I go. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I'm not the worst interviewer ever, but hey, you yeah. know, everyone can, well, they're entitled to Twitter, Twitter. That's what, whatever they want. So I said, I told this for the last just stay off social media. Don't look at it. Don't check it out. Fans, from what, from what I've heard, from what the players tell me, fans, when they meet the players in person, sometimes they're maybe... You know, players would rather have a quiet dinner with their wife and not be bothered, but fans, they say they're polite. They come up for pictures. I mean, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield's told me that. Everywhere he goes, people are in. Cole Caulfield's obviously playing very well, but it's the people on Twitter, you can't just lump all Habs fans into the people who are doing it. These are idiots. It's like, you know, when the Canes win a Stanley Cup and people riot and smash the windows and rob stuff. It's it's punks looking for an excuse to do it, right? Yeah. And the same with Twitter. It's, it's It can be a cesspool. So, you know, players, as Mike Matheson, you worry about what your family thinks, you worry about what your teammates think and what your coaches think, and that's it. And you go home and you do your job and you move on. So that would be my advice. But for Ryan Backer, I mean, that would be my advice to him too. Just don't look at yeah. social media. Don't pay attention to it. Those aren't the real sort of Canadians fans. And um, <clears throat> also, I mean, you hear from – I know this is not when I was a sports editor too. You always hear from angry people. You don't hear from people who like what you do. Yeah, you're uh, right about you know, that. People, right people wouldn't call up because they'd say, oh, that was a wonderful story you wrote or that was it. They don't like it. They'll tell you they don't like it. So you got to weigh that in also. But for Ryan Backer, for people to take it, 
no, we had this discussion with one of my colleagues earlier today. The, the Canadians, I'm, and we're starting at the top, the passion for the Canadians in this city has never been higher. Never. And no, I grew up when they won the Stanley Cup almost every year. I told you, four of the five years I was in high school, they won the Stanley Cup. But it's become like a, the Canadians have become like a reality TV show now in Montreal. Yeah. It's not a stop. It's 24-7. People tell people, talk, talk about their players. Are, are, everybody knows who they are. They can't walk down the street without being recognized. There's good to that. It's, I mean, so many other teams would love to have such a fashion, passionate fan base, but yeah. there can be a downside to that also. And we saw that yesterday with the draft. You know, I mean, you I, know, what, the, I, you know I, what the bad part about that is, Stu? What's that? It doesn't reflect well in the city of Montreal because it shows that no, the doesn't. city doesn't have a lot to offer. It, it, it and, really and doesn't. And I, I would have picked, picked Ryan Leonard. Does that mean that you know Kent Hughes is an idiot because he took Ryan Becker? No, Kent Hughes is a really smart hockey guy. He thought that was the guy they wanted to pick. That's fine. Difference of opinion. As I said, Kent Hughes knows, knows more about hockey than I do, but um, that was his pick. I would have picked somebody else. That's all. I mean, if you're a fan and you wish that they had picked Mitch Cobb or Leonard, and, and again, with every draft, it's such a crapshoot. You know, I was interviewing Craig Button the other day, <clears throat> excuse me, for a column I wrote, and I, you know, former GM, the scout, now TSN, I said, the regular fans have any idea what a crapshoot this is? And he went, no, they really don't. You're trying to predict. Remember, fail for nail for Yakupov. Yeah, Alex, yeah, I that. Alex Lafreniere was supposed to be a superstar in the NHL. He might still yeah. be. He's having a hard time right now. Um, it's a crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, Ryan Becker could be, could be a total stud, and Mitchkov could be a bust, or it could be the other way around. You really don't know. I mean, the Connor Bedards of the world, the McDavid's and Crosby's are different. But for the, you know, I tell people this all the time: go on HockeyDB or go on one of the websites and look at the first round picks. For every team from every year, and eighty percent of the guys you've never heard of. It's, just, yeah. it's we it's are a we are. There's a technical issue, by the way. Every now and then you hear static. I think it might be coming from Stu's mic. I'm not sure, uh, but look, uh, we we apologize for that, Stu. Now talking about Ryan Backer, there are some statistics that will make him look like a stud that maybe he is. And I'd like to welcome to the program. Thibaut Chattel, who works analytics for NL Istat, a Swiss hockey stats website. He's there. Thibaut, welcome to the Sick Podcast. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thanks, Andy, for having me. You're very, very welcome. Merci beaucoup. Meet Stu Cowan. Stu, meet mon chum. Thibaut. Nice, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Is the static on there, Tony? Or you, uh, uh, I, think it's, I, I think it's I think it's. gone. I think it's uh, okay. Thibaut was every time you were talking about David Reinbacker and you were talking about the fact you wanted to choose Ryan Leonard instead, I think it was Thibaut for this. <laughs> I was throwing in a little bit of static there. Right? <laughs> Thibaut, uh, obviously your, your, uh, your tweets and some of the data you put up there on social media, on Twitter in particular, have caught my attention. So thank you very much for that. And, and hence, welcome to the Sick Podcast. Um, why don't we do this? Because this is what you do. This is not what Stu and I do when it comes to this. I know I don't I can't speak for Stu, but I'm a dummy when it comes to all this analytics stuff. Okay. So why don't we bring up some 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 charts and maybe you can explain to us what we're seeing? Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Best right. prospects for the National Hockey League. This is some of your tweets. Connor Bedard, David Reinbacker, Matvey Michkov. And Adam Fantilli, okay? Uh, four names, obviously, that everyone knows. Bedard went number one in the draft. Fantilli went number three. Reinbacker went number five. And Michkov went number seven. What is this chart exactly? What are you looking at? And how does Reinbacker fare in this company? So, Tony, you're starting with the most complicated thing. but that's, that's Story of right. my life. 
That's all right. Um, so this is a prospect projection model. So in this case, we are looking at every hockey players from 16 to 22 years old. We are using the past three seasons of data on their performance. And we are looking at the position they play. We are looking at the league they are playing at right now. We are looking at the age they are right now. And we look at the historical comparison from the same players on the same position, same league, same age in the past. Got it. And then we look at, on the past 20 years, what those players became after that. So you have that starting point as a comparison, and you compare that player, and you see what the other players became after. So based on that, Hein Basher is looking very, very good because he's having an historical season in a top five league in the world, the Swiss National League. And he's a defenseman, and he's still young, obviously, and the, perf the performances he put up this year, but also last year mm -hmm. in the second level, which is also a professional league, and scoring a point per game as the, with the U20 in parallel makes him, in the model, a very, very safe bet to become an elite player for the next decade in the NHL. Wow. Stu, do you have any questions on that? Did you get that, Stu? Yeah, well, I'm sort of like you, Tony, when it comes to analytics. I, I try and understand them, but I don't understand them as well as... Uh many others i guess all right so but i mean but as i said earlier i mean there's no doubt david reinbacher is a heck of a hockey player i mean he's top yeah. rated defenseman going into the draft by by just about everybody yeah that's 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 something though you you rank him with those prospects and you take a look at the the data in the past couple of seasons and players that have done something like this and fast forward 20 years to see what it translates to okay let's let's bring up something else here Puck management at 5v5. David yep. Reinbacher, who plays for Cloten as a defenseman, talk to us about those numbers and those percentiles. Okay, so those numbers are from our manual tracking we're doing at Analyze Data. So we're two guys running that Swiss-based company, uh, tracking games uh, in the, the Swiss National League. We are collecting about 800 events per game. So we're talking zone exit, zone entries, battles, retrievals, shots, shot assist, hide injured passes, everything. So Reinbacher, we tracked him more, over twenty two, uh, over twenty times last year. So this is purely puck management, meaning the battles he was involved in along the board, um, the puck he could retrieve or not, loose puck in his defensive zone is in the offensive zone. The interesting thing and also relate on the transition stat maybe going to show that later Tommy Tony um is not that good right now those are percentiles so the 39 puck management in DZ defensive zone you're seeing meaning if the best defenseman in the league is at 100 is at 39 so not that good but he's only 18 years old playing in a very good very fast league playing for a bottom of the standing team Hold right. on a sec. Perfect. Is there a red flag here? Because this puck management translates to decision-making. Decision-making translates to the brain and the ability of the brain to process things quickly to make the right decision with the puck. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Am I, am I onto something or I'm totally off? No, I wouldn't say this is a red flag at all. I mean, he's a okay. young player, again, playing for a team that was dominated in their zone most of the time. Um, at five on five. The interesting thing is the green boxes that you see, meaning that 
led to an exit when he was recovering recovering a puck in his defensive zone. He was way over average into transforming that puck into, into a clean, successful control breakout. That's interesting. In the offensive zone, same thing. When he was recovering a puck, he was able to manufacturing shots for his team at a very high rate, 88th percentile. That's almost top 10% in a league. And we see the same thing on transition, very clean breakouts, control, successful. When that kid had the puck on his stick, the decision-making, finding the right play, the smart play to do was always there. What's that 14 number, puck management in the offensive zone? Is that the, the same thing, that if the highest number is 100, is that 14? Yeah, exactly, among defensemen in National League. Okay, but hold on a second. If if the numbers are low of puck management in the defensive zone because he doesn't play for a particularly strong team and they're on the defense a lot, when they're on the offense, his puck management in the offensive zone, does this lead me to believe that he's not a very good offensively skilled player? No, I think we should not confuse the overall offensive capacities and the fact um, you are not retrieving a lot of pucks along the boards or loose pucks in the offensive zone. Cloton was a very particular team in the sense that they were bottom of the standings. They were suffering a lot at five on five. And as soon as they got the puck, they were launching rushes and counterattacks. So those were fast uh, lightning attacks where the defensemen were not involved a lot. That's why Handbacker doesn't have a lot of zone entries, for instance. He was not involved because there was those were rushes. And once in the offensive zone, they were cycling a bit. But as soon as they were losing the puck, they were backing up in a neutral zone to avoid getting caught. So, no, this is definitely not a red flag uh, from a young player in that league playing for a team that was with a defense-first mentality um, most of the games. Next. These are uh, players in the Swiss National League. As you can tell there, uh, from ages 18 to 35, that list that's up of about, uh, what is it, 12, 14 players or whatever it is, Reinbacker is clearly the youngest player on that list. There are two defensemen. The rest are forwards. What is this? This is the Clotten squad, only Clotten's players. Um, you don't have the full list. This is the top no. of the table. Yeah. Um, so we're back to the basics here. We're talking goals differentials at five on five. Goals for and against when you are on the ice. So like I explained, Clotten, they ended 12 out of 14 teams in terms of expecting goals possession at five on five. They were suffering a lot. Um, they didn't have the roster to compete against the top teams in the league. They were just um, coming up from the second level that year, right? Mm -hmm. So, and despite that fact, Heinbacher and his uh, teammate on his pair, Kellenberger, they were the only one with a positive goal differential at five on five. So uh, we don't have the number of games played on, on, on that chart, but I think Heinbacher played like 40-something games and over 40-something games, he was on the ice for th 33 goals 
four Clotten and 25 again. So plus okay. eight differential again. And you see the rest of the team, and you'd see you don't you don't you know why you don't see any other defensemen? They're all in the very, very negative. So you can see the differential wow. impact when Heinbacher was on the ice versus the other defensemen of Clotten. And and it's an encouraging stat as well because He's second on the team only to a 35-year-old who has a ton of experience. So now you have an 18-year-old who's as effective or as close to effective as a 35-year-old who's double his age with double his experience. It's an interesting stat. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, in in analytics, you can can look at micro details, right, like puck battles and, and retrievals. And then you can take a step back and look at the overall results. And the overall result at five on five is probably what is your goal differential at the end of the day. Everything mm-hmm. else you do on the ice end up with your team scoring goals or your team allowing goals, right? So at the end of the day, everything Heinbacher was doing, everything he was involved into with his teammates when he was on the ice, the impact he had led his team to be much, much better with him on the ice than without him on the ice. Let's bring up one more model. What are we looking at here? So that's the draft model. The first one you you brought up was the prospect projection, which which has a much longer view, right? So the draft model is is really forcing the stats at choosing a player on June 28th, 2023, and deciding who is the best right now Mm -hmm. for the, the NHL draft. And so on this one, Heinbacher was sixth um, behind Bedar, Fentili, Smith, Michkov, and well, the, the top five that went out, um, Carson. Sorry. Yes. So top defenseman in the draft, for sure, by a mile. By a mile. Uh, by a mile. The, the next defenseman in the model was, I think, in the 20s something. So, but but let no, me ask you. Let me ask you this: You talked about a top five league. Is yep. it safe to say that out of the top five leagues, the leagues that he plays in is fifth? Like the Swiss um, league isn't oh, as strong yeah, as a lot of the other leagues. Therefore, it should be easier for him to put up numbers in the Swiss league than it would be if he was playing in Sweden or Finland or in the KHL, would it not? So, the Swiss national league is a very particular case if you look at the number the recent numbers is probably the fourth best league in the world you have nhl khl ahl um shl and yeah fifth the, the, the switzerland is maybe right behind sweden but ahead of finland right now the particular particular case is that the number of import players you're allowed to have on the ice in switzerland is limited to six players so every night you can dress up six Canadian, Swedish, Finnish, American, whatever players, and you have to have 14 Swiss guys. So what does that mean is that you cannot mess around giving playing time to 18 years old, playing more than five minutes, because the other factor is that you can be relegated at the end of the season if you're just not playing the game, right? You cannot just take a year off saying we're going to develop guys. No, if you're being relegated to the second level, that's a huge financial blow to your organization. It may be going to take years to go back up. So the best Swiss young prospects are going to Canada, playing the CHL. 
So there is there are basically no Swiss prospects playing in the National League. Reinbacher has a Swiss license, even as, as an Austrian, so he was not counting against the import license. Mm -hmm. But you cannot import another 18 years old from Sweden or Finland or whatever because you cannot mess around like I explained. Mm -hmm. So the case of Reinbacher getting the highest ice time on his team at 5-on-5 five five at 18 years old is unprecedented. Wow. This is not a development league. This is a league of senior players that play for clear financial and sportive objectives to maintain their organization in a, goal, in a good financial health um, over the long term. So I saw, I saw a tweet the other day, Thibault, uh, something to the effect of uh, take Reinbacker's stats, the games that he played, the points he put up, uh, Rasmus Dalin, Roman Yossi back in the day, Moritz Sider. This guy's in that company. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you compare, um, like the easy thing is to compare Heinbacher to the most recent European defenseman, like Moritz Seider, Jericek last year, Nemec last year, is yeah. above them. Is above them. He's above them. Is above them. And, and Nemec just, went second last year in the draft to Jersey. Yes, absolutely. And Jericek went, what, five, six? And he did even better in the AHL this season. And the interesting thing is that they were also playing in non-traditional league, meaning they were not playing in Sweden or Finland. They were playing in their own local country, giving big roles um, in an unprecedented way. So Heinbacher is really following that model that Sider also was doing in, in his draft year playing in the German DEL still. And he's above them. He's more advanced. Absolutely. Thibault, in ending, and, and thanks for all these stats, very enlightening indeed. To all the fans watching right now on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, live on the Sick Podcast, who were underwhelmed with the selection of David Reinbacker, who were hoping that the Canadians would have uh, tried to go for the home run and Matt Michkov or another offensive player, to them in ending, you say what exactly? After seeing Reinbacker play, after analyzing his stats, after talking to people about him, after watching him, you say what exactly? I say... If you have the chance of getting a player you feel is 100% destined to be a cornerstone for your franchise for the next decade, that's going to be on you. That's going to be on your top pair alongside your top offensive defenseman, or managing your second pair and shutting down the best opposition night after night, winning the five-on-five -five battle, playing the top PK minutes, playing your power play second waves. Those are not falling from the trees. I mean, if you decide to take Michkov out of the equation, then who's the best, the best next player at that fifth pick? And to me, between... I hate the word safe because we use it wrong most of the time in terms of drafting, but between that very secure, mature... I mean, I'm not sure we have ever seen a prospect as mature as Heinbacher is right now as an 18 between that guy and the maybes around the potential of Ryan Leonard or Zach Benson or whatever flashy offensive forwards. And given the current state of the Montreal Canadiens organization, I know we like goal scorings, but we also like that number two defenseman cornerstone. And number two is not a bad thing. You need those. Look at the recent Stanley Cup playoff champions. 
They were full of those big guys who can skate, who can transition the puck well, who can score on occasions. What's he missing to be a number one defenseman? I guess that flashiness that you see now in, in modern hockey, like Cal McCarr, Adam Fox, Roman Yosi, Eric Carlson, is just much more well-rounded. And that means he maybe doesn't have the skills to navigate the blue line like Makar is doing, but how many of those are there in the world? So that's not his role, I think. He's going to be a very, very good elite player on a different role. When is he going to be wearing a Montreal Canadiens uniform, in your opinion? Besides development camp, and he already took a skate earlier today, and he'll be there between July 1st and July 4th, along with, uh, what is it, uh, 36 other players. I think they're going to be 37 in all. Uh, when are we going to see him in a Canadiens uniform playing for the Canadiens? So the thing I've always heard and that was confirmed, and but there are some rumors, obviously, that <coughs> he wanted to stay in Switzerland next season. He wants to finish his business goal. That also shows something about his character and culture and, and intelligence. Um, so if he does one more year of Switzerland, top in, top hockey, top minutes, getting more freedom maybe from his squads, playing a more offensive hockey, I'm sure Cloten is going to love is going to love being um, showcasing what they can do in terms of developing prospects and maybe attracting future prospects to the organization. Mm-hmm. In two years, he could be in the NHL. He could have been in the AHL next season without a doubt, for sure. Like Yerichek and Nemec did this season. You mean, you mean, you mean, so for example, in September, he could, Mm -hmm. he could be in the the AHL if he wanted to, in your opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Without a doubt. The, The guy, the guy is facing night after night in Switzerland, the key import players I've talked about, all those Canadians, Americans, Swedish, Finnish, the top guys he was facing because he was on the shutdown pair. Um, those are guys that played in the NHL, KHL, top European players, international players, world champions, Olympic champions. On that note, let's take a look at this tweet. All right. So Craig Button with Jay Onright talking about Reinbacher. Craig Button says, I see him as a really good, solid second-paired defenseman. I see him a lot like Adam Larson. He's been a solid NHL player during his NHL career. I think Reinbacher can be exactly the same type of player. To that, Daniel Winnick responds, I don't think this is the right take. I played against him all year in the Swiss League. He already shows poise, hands, and skating ability that are greater than Larson has right now. He's a superior skater who can take shifts over and is playing against men already. There's a former NHLer yep. who plays against Reinbacker who says he's already better than Larson right now. Yeah. Don't and compare him to Larson. That's not the first time Dan is taking a defense of Reinbacker this season. Uh, I think you can look up for a tweet from him back in January or February, I think, when I first. When I published my first draft scouting report or something, and Heinbacher was already top five, and 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 Dan answered a tweet saying, "No, that guy is going to be a cornerstone, franchise cornerstone." Uh, wow, Dan Dan is a very smart guy. Talked to him a bunch of times. It was interesting in, in knowing his stats and learning about analytics on his free time uh, while still playing. So, yeah, I was mentioning the skating ability comparing to to Larson for sure but you can take uh, Dan's word for it. 
Thibault Chatel, thanks so much. Interesting observations. Welcome to the SICK Podcast. The first time, I hope, of several. Thanks again. No problem. My pleasure. All right. There you have it, Thibault Chatel. All right, Stu. Uh, it's pretty encouraging, huh? Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. A lot of interesting stuff. One of the things you brought up, though, is that I almost chuckled a little bit. He was talking about how uh, you know, his team scores more goals when he's on this and when he's not. Sort of That's sort of plus minus, isn't it, in, in a yeah. lot of ways? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of uh, interesting stuff there. I mean, as I said, there's no doubt this guy's a good hockey player. Yeah, and he's going to be at Broussard over the next couple of days as well, yeah. July first, second, third, and fourth. Uh, will I see you down there on Tuesday for the scrimmager? I will be there. I'll be there uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. All right. Okay. Uh, in ending, um, you know, can the Montreal Canadiens stop asking their players to to name the draft pick? <laughs> Yeah, it, it hasn't worked out. Uh, that Carey Price was, uh, I mean, Kane Hughes came to the rescue and said it's the way we planned it, but it wasn't the way they planned it. I mean, Carey no. apologized afterwards. Kudos, and he apologized on Twitter and embarrassed by it, obviously. Uh, it didn't work out that great when Shea Weber didn't pronounce Cole Caulfield's name properly either in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, but Marlowe seemed to be able to do it okay for the Sharks when he announced Well, everybody. it's pretty hard to mess up Will Smith, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Right back right. is not that hard either. I mean, it's a, it's a, but, but whatever. As Ken, you said, it happens. I mean, you know, uh, I've, I've been on podcasts like you and you're trying to remember a guy's name. You can't remember, but uh, it was, uh, as I wrote my column, it was a lot of strange things that happened at the draft for the Canadians. And that was one of the, one of them. Stu, I'm like you complete confidence in this management team from top to bottom, complete confidence. Nick Bobrov, the more I hear him speak, as a matter of fact, I, I, I think he's just, he's a really, really smart guy. We don't know much about the draft. All we do is is place calls, talk to a few people. But on the surface, drafting three goalies, drafting a couple of overage. Uh, Mitchell Brown joined me yesterday from EP Ringside and Elite Prospects, and he says he wouldn't be surprised when all is said and done if Reinbacher is the only player they took in the draft that ends up playing in the National Hockey League. I hope he's wrong. I hope I'm sure he hopes he's wrong as well, and uh, hopefully some of the goalies can pan out. Until then, you know what? Only time will tell, right? We'll know a little bit more. Well, we'll know a lot more about five years from now. That's what I say with every draft. People, you know, we're saying so many people are on Twitter pretending to be draft experts and whatnot. We don't, everybody thought, you know, Alex Lafreniere was the best player in the draft who was going to be starting in the NHL. And so far, he hasn't been. Fit. Nail Yakupov. I mean, go down the list. There's a lot of guys that just haven't panned out. A lot of Canadians' first round picks, Louis LeBlanc, uh, haven't panned out. So it, it's a crapshoot. And like any, like any trade, yeah. any draft, you got to wait three, four, or five years, and then you could. You know, I had somebody saying, "Well, the Canadians lost the uh, Lekkinen trade." Well, Colorado traded for the present, and they won a Stanley Cup with their Turi Lekkinen, so they got what they wanted. The Canadians traded for the future with Justin Barron. So if Justin Barron develops into being a starter, stud defenseman for the Canadians, and both teams might have won the trade. I mean, teams trade for different reasons and different. Yeah, things. for sure, for sure. So and if Justin Barron ends up winning a Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens, then they both won the trade. Stu, I got one more question for you, yeah. but not before I talk about Murphy Clinic, an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics: one located at Montreal Shop Angus, and the second on the North Shore in Terrebonne. And they're also opening up soon in Quebec City. Visit Murphy Clinic Boisea or on Instagram at Murphy Clinic. My God, I'm such a professional. Uh, Stu, my last question to you is unrestricted free agency opens up in a couple of hours. Uh, do you see the Montreal Canadiens being active in any way, shape, or form? I don't see them doing anything, really. I think they've got so many players already uh, under contract. I, I can't, I'd be shocked if they do anything on Saturday. I think it's going to be uh, very quiet. 
Uh, it won't take us very long to find out. We'll be monitoring the situation. I'll see you in Broussard in a couple of days, too. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Tony. Take care. Thanks so much, Stu. Really appreciate it. Once again, special thanks to our partners, to Energy Transportation Group, named by the Financial Times, one of America's fastest-growing companies. Uh, check out their uh, career page for available opportunities. The Playground, with over 600 machines and poker tournaments, and Playground Casino Games and Daily Promotions. Their customer service is absolutely fantastic. And uh, Brewed in Quebec, La Bite à TB. Um, premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Embrace your true nature. Folks, thanks so much for watching tonight at YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live. If you haven't uh, subscribed on our YouTube channel yet, please do so. It's absolutely free. If you like it, like it right now. Share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. If you're going to listen to us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave me a five-star review. It's my way of feeling the love. Thank you very much. For Aniello and Sammy and Juliana, the Cavalaros are in Orlando, Florida at the Families of SMA Convention, and for Shane Gomo at Master Control, I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.